1: Hi there and welcome everybody to the warm up and this is iBrooks Network. We we're just making sure everybody's connections and all that stuff were stable as we've had a few um a few mayors over the last couple of days, but we, we won't get into that. Um today I'm joined by Dave. How are you doing today, Dave? Yeah, I'm good, mate. How's you? Yeah, not too bad. I said there's the uh, stressing out, I've changed my agenda about forty times already <laughs> today. We'll just the news that keeps coming out. Uh Reese, how are you today as well? Yeah, all
0: good, mate. I keep me up to date with angels. It's a bit like refreshing Twitter and something else comes up. I and... all good.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. And Kieran, pleasure as always to have you on, my man.
3: Yeah, always a pleasure to be on. I've got a stable connection, but maybe not stable mentally. But yeah, we'll get there. Fallen Rangers, that's what it does to you. <laughs> Do
1: you know what? That could be the title of the pod already. Stable connection, but not stable mentally. But there we go. Um, on today's uh, show, that there's so much to talk about. Um, given that, that Craig bailed on us in, on Monday, we've got the strong rumours linking uh, Jose Cifuentes to us, to the club. Let us know what you guys think in there. I know I see Paul McGarigal in the comments, and all you were asking about him a, a couple of weeks ago, that seems to have uh, picked up pace. Um, we'll bring you the, all the latest on that. We'll pick up in the managers' comments about Tom Lawrence and him returning to the Rangers first team squad. Um, word in the street that the Jack Butland deal may have stalled. We'll get the guys' thoughts on that. Um and you know there's been rumours linking Craig Moore to the vacant director of football role at Rangers and then we had the the James Bisgrove interview dropping about uh, an hour before we came on and we'll, we'll, at the end of the podcast we'll maybe talk um about a few a few wee interesting snippets um from that um but before we get into it uh just been asked by a member of the Bell family to mention the Jimmy Bell Memorial Cup um where uh Bars for Bears Eleven will take on the. Dukla Pamberfest 11. It takes place at New Western Park, home of the Renfrew Juniors. Uh, kickoffs at one, 1 o'clock on Saturday, the 8th of July. Um, Archie Knox will be taking the Rangers 11, Colin Henry, John McDonald. Andy Little and Gordon Smith are, are all confirmed for, for that game. So um, tickets are £6, kids go free, and the proceeds go to the St Andrews Hospice and the Rangers support are Eskin appeal to charities, which I know uh, mean a lot to or meant a lot to Jimmy. So um, go and get down to that and support it if you can. I'm sure i will mention it a couple
3: other times. Okay, um, hey, before you get slaughtered in the comments, I think you meant Dukla Pumphurston. That's the one, honestly. I,
1: again, I, I've been too busy, right? Focusing on saying Jose Cifuentes all day. Well, <laughs> that goes
3: off the tongue. You can say it better than me, so at least we're one apiece. <laughs> that's,
1: I'll, honestly, I'll, I'll take it. Um, but listen, i like to do a wee on this day, as everybody knows. Um, I've taken inf- uh, inspiration from uh, WATP72RFC's tweet. Um, he says, on this day in 2020, 2022, sorry, more than 400 flights, 16 charter flights, trains, coaches and cars, uh, carrying an estimated hundred thousand Rangers supporters um, descended in Seville for our fifth European final. Final, Frankfurt. Um, Seville police praised uh, our fans' overall behaviour. The theirs uh, wasn't reciprocated, shall we say? Um, Reese I'll come to you first. Um, what was your memories of of that day? And remember, don't incriminate yourself <laughs> on the podcast, please.
0: Given the heads up, I did consult a lawyer before this. Um... Uh, it, was, it was a good day, we went via uh, Amsterdam on the way out, and we landed in Madrid, then got a high-speed train through to Madrid. Probably like one of the most random funny things was like travel, you still had to wear like face masks over there, but we'd become so used to it over here, we didn't do it. And I was in a carriage full of Frankfurt fans, right? I somehow ended up in the wrong carriage with my seat, and uh, got halfway down. And armed police are coming through the train and this Spanish police officers like turned with a gun pointed at me and said something in Spanish and I didn't have a clue so I'm sat like eh, what? And a Frankfurt fan just flung me a mask so aye, it was a good start but other than that we were just meeting random folk over there and I all looking forward to the final. <laughs> Hasta la vista baby <laughs> <laughs> I swear, he turned round and pointed at I me and I was like uh, I have no idea what you're saying, but that's that's looks serious, what's going on.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's I think you raise a, a good point there, every certainly you know, before the game, even during the game, because I was sat um sort of in and amongst Frankfurt fans as well, but there was quite a good it was a it was a really nice atmosphere to to be part of that. Like they were they were super sound supporters, as you say, in yeah, but was there a few other instances like that? Did you bump into other Frankfurt supporters or were you, were you just hanging about with Rangers supporters, keeping your head out of trouble?
0: Uh, it was, oh, you were basically just going kind of about the city, like, following other Rangers fans. You were just like, where's everybody gone? Where are we gone? Everybody was just kind of grouping together, texting your pals if you seen, like, photos or stories online or whatever of them being there. Yeah. You're just like, Where oh, right, he's? where is, where is, and going and meeting I think there was quite a lot of alcohol consumed in Seville that year, so it must have been good for tourism, especially yeah. in the couple of days.
1: Yeah, you're, you're not joking there, Reese. And uh, Kieran, we we'll, we'll get your memories of, of, of the day before it. I know you were there, there uh, early and. And in the before before Seville soaking up the atmosphere. Um, what what was your memories of the day before it? And, and I know you had quite a, an interesting route to get
3: there. I did, I did. I think you said that tweet mentioned it was 416 chartered flights. I think I was on just about every single one of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> when we got through the final whistle at Leipzig, I booked my flights, a straightforward route via Dublin to Faro um, and back the same sort of route. Um, but it just kept coming up pending, and sat like that until I think it was a Saturday and I thought I need to do something. They then get cancelled. So by that point, everybody had eaten up all the flights and all the decent routes. So I ended up going via Edinburgh to Raklow, if i pronounce pronounced that right, in Poland. Seven hour stop over there, which the ATP sh- shots went down <laughs> well. From with we f- uh, flew to Pisa and got in there at midnight. Pisa as in Italy. Um, stayed in some dodgy overnight Airbnb there, um, Pisa in Malaga, then Malaga got a minibus up to Seville. And then on the way back, I went from Seville back down to Malaga, Malaga to Gran Canaria. 40 minutes um, between flights from Gran Canaria to Fort Aventura. My brother actually, so gave him a mention, thought we could get the bus from um, Gran Canaria to Fort Aventura. Um, and then from Fort Aventura, we went to Edinburgh. So uh, that was not very fun. But you know what? It was great. It was a good laugh. I had my nephew along the way. He got a good tour of Europe. <laughs> so if uh, he does not pass his geography higher, he's, uh, he's getting it. Uh, yeah, that, I just, listen, despite the result, memories to last a lifetime. It was it was unbelievable. Yeah, that, that's
1: it exactly. I said, I, I was a bit different. I, I left Glasgow on the day of the final and managed to get a yeah. flight straight to Seville. I was one of the very, very lucky people that managed to get on that flight. Um, but the, in terms of the day before it, when I knew that I was going and and and, and I had the ticket and stuff, uh, you know, did the obligatory, going away, getting getting your hair cut. Um, and I went to a barber's that I'd never been to before. Absolute Oh, thank
0: you The God.
1: worst thing ever. You know, that way, he cut my hair and I was looking, I was going, that's actually all right. And then I just felt this hand over my eyes. And then I just felt my eyebrows getting shaved off. So oh, if there's any know. photos of me in Seville, that's <laughs> why I've got new eyebrows. And, and the guys as well, I was getting shorts and shoes for going over too. And they must have seen me coming because as soon as I was coming down, they, they brought out this, you know, red, white, and blue pair of Adidas shoes. And I was like, well, I've got to get them, don't I? So <laughs> so, uh, so that was it. But yes, yeah, as, as you said, Kieran, it was memories that I would never change just to... Uh, other than the result, but it was it was a great experience for for over a hundred thousand uh, a hundred thousand um, bears being over there. Um, look, right, we'll we'll get into it here. We'll we'll, we'll start talking about the the football proper. John Moffat has nicely brought me on to my uh, first talking point here. He says, "Any truth about this MLS player?" So as I said, this is the the guy that I've been practicing his name all day, Jose Sufuentes. Dave, I'll come to you first on this. Um firstly that there's been more rumors linking him. I know we were linked with him round about April time. Um I seem to remember it being on my birthday that, that some of the links were coming out, it, but it's a Radio D Blue, which is an Ecuadorian radio station. And I know my pronunciation of stuff, I'm going to get slaughtered in the comments <laughs> for it to be any worse than mine, mate. I wouldn't worry. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, but they've put a tweet out saying he's close to signing for Rangers, but Toulouse also interested in the midfielder. He's 24, an Ecuador international. A central midfielder. He's at LAFC, where his deal runs out in December. Uh, unsure of the fees involved, but it looks like he's a he's a box to box midfielder. Um, looks really powerful. Um, are you happy that we're linked with a player of this profile, Dave?
2: Yeah, yeah, I am actually. Um, obviously, we've bought in Campwell, We've bought in Raskin. Um, they're pretty much guaranteed. That, you know, they're going to be first names on his new team sheet. There is a third place though and we've played Lundstrom there so far. Seems to have gone okay some games but other games not so much and I do think I think there's probably positions we need more focus on but assuming that we're going to do those as well I think this will be a really smart piece of business and I think he goes into your three beside Camp and Raskin. I think He's probably got the profile as well um, from a physical point of view to play in Scotland. He's no wee, he's not going to get knocked about. He's quite a big guy. So, yeah, I, I am happy that we're going for this level of player. Um, I just hope that we see that throughout the team because there are other areas as well, as I said.
1: Yeah, Reese, I'll come to you next on this here. RFC 72. Says, says, if you get if him, get him. Two, it was over 15 million, was reworded um a year ago um I know that's it's difficult to you know put a value you know in someone that's been playing in the States I'll add this caveat obviously the last player we did get from the States James Sands that didn't work out too well um but it, it's more talking about the, the profiles the fact that he's an international player Ecuador did quite well at the World Cup um as well so um, he is a name that's been talked about linked with other clubs such as Toulouse. I know there was a few other um, sort of English clubs as well that he linked with way back in April. But um, where do you see a guy like this sort of fitting into the squad and, and, and does a signing of this potential, does it excite you?
0: Yeah, definitely. It's He certainly looks a decent player. I've always said MLS is a bit ropey because... Usually, you would assume big population, big chance of finding a decent player. But then, you get the likes of Lewis Morgan, who couldn't have cut it. Celtic really standing out every week for New York Red Bulls. and James Sands, a hot prospect in NYCFC coming over and wasn't great here. But, according to Sofa score, he ranks better than Kamara for attacking, technical and creativity stats. Not as good defending and tackling, but you know what, we can leave that to other players in the squad. So, if we can get them, good signing. But uh, certainly wouldn't they be my first port of call. And I'm a bit concerned, actually, that we've not heard more about attacking players.
1: Mm-hmm. So... I'll pick you up on that. What do you mean you're about concerned about that? Would you be looking at us to, 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 to sign more attacking players or be interested in more? Is it just the lack of rumours that you're oh, concerned about?
0: He is certainly an attacking midfielder but see that forward line I think we're losing about six this summer. I think we lost Kamar Roof about 18 months ago to injuries. He's seen Ross Holmall and he's seen Ross County but you've got them, you've got him, Morelos, Kent, there rumours that day Scott right with Preston. You know, there's just a massive upgrade needed in that front line and midfielders and defenders is all well and good, but certainly wouldn't it be a priority, but we'll wait and see.
1: No, that's, that's your comment. Um, Kieran, Paul McGargo here says, Sifuentes has 28 goal contributions in 86 games. I said, I don't think that's his, his main contributions to, to a squad as, is the goal contributions, but as I said, he looks to be that, you know, box-to-box midfielder, somebody that, that, that can push us forward. Um, what well, if, if we did sign a guy like this, would... What would be the impact on, on other players, and does this—the fact that we're linked with players like this—does this make you think that the guys like Kamara, Lundstrom, even potentially? And, and I know he had uh, had a go at, at Stevie in a press conference um once, but like, yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't want to linger on that too much. But what what do you think about about that, and, and the impact that a guy like this will
3: have um on the squad if he is brought in? I, th- I think we still do need a statement centre mid. Like, I'm 100 percent the same boat as Dave with that one. That or, uh, sorry, reached on that one, that we should be concentrating and bringing in players from the front line. Um, I think that's where the majority of the money should be spent. But in terms of, how do you say is it Cifuentes?
1: Yeah, yes, so, <laughs>
3: Cifuentes. there we go. Uh, you say Ecuadorian guy? That's it, the Ecuadorian guy from the MLS. So uh, actually, I actually went on, watched a blogger, so YouTube videos, we all know that nobody looked bad on these. They could even make me look good. But just going by the eye test, he is a proper number eight box-to-box player. And given what we know about the MLS league and how many appearances he's made there, you need to be proper fit there. Um, One of my friends who played over in the States had said to me, in America, it's not necessarily that if you're a good football player, they'll make you an athlete. If you're an athlete, they'll make you a football player in a way that Mm. you really need to have that cardio fitness over there. And you've seen it like the guys that have been mentioned in the comments Morris Edo, maybe not the greatest football player, but an out-and-out athlete. Guys like Bocanegra came over, unbelievable player. Even James Sands, unbelievable athlete, very strong player, athletic. And uh, Sifuentes fits that mold. From just from what I seen him in that video, Tied with the ball at his feet, very physical. And it's a mixed bag. The highlights that I've seen that he done a lot of the defensive side, but a lot of it was also in the box where he's attacking and creating chances and even scoring goals so you can see why we're, we're going from transfer markets gotten rated as um, 12 million euros yeah. as his value so you can see why it makes sense that we'd be going for guys like that with six months left in our contract very very, yeah, yeah. very like um, the Todd Cantwell deal that we've napped in and got him just before his contract expires that we've paid the 1.5 million for him I can see something similar happen to here if there is genuine interest.
1: Yes, it's a very interesting point you've you've raised there, as you said about the about his perceived value. I have no idea what it would take to to get a guy like this out of his of his existing deals. The MLS has got those weird contracts we're, we're all, there, we're all they all run out in in December, um, which is just not something that, that we are really accustomed to um, over here. But yeah. It, to the point is, is that I, I think we need that type of player in, in our midfield. You look, you look at Lundstrom at the weekend, that's the type of guy that I think we all thought we were getting that box to box. I mean, the first goal came from him shooting outside the box. Um, I, I, I mean, not, okay, he's not necessarily creating a goal-scoring chance, but it was more, you know, Cantwell picking off the off the scraps of that. And, and it's been a criticism of Rangers. I mean, how many times have we... We've been sitting in the stands or whatever,
3: and we've just been going, just shoot, <laughs> and nobody's done it. I know, but when you play Lundstrom, sit in midfield, he's not going to be shooting for there. He's just keeping it ticking over and keeping everything very safe. He should be further up the park. He has got that in his locker that he can shoot with both feet, so it's a positive. Yeah, it's a t- Can I touch on something that Paul's just said? There was six months left, we need to pay something to get him in this summer. Could it, we, we don't know the ins and outs of this. Could it be that we are signing them on a pre contract to come in in December? You never know.
1: It could be. It's, a, it's an interesting one. That it would, it would be very Rangers though. Um, to to, to sign somebody on a pre contract but not get them to the next the next uh, transfer window, wouldn't it?
3: And they um, <laughs> that,
1: That's it. Um, they said Paul got six months left. We need to pay someone to get him summer. Bell's brigade takes a, a slightly different view. He said MSL. The MLS is a really poor standard retirement home and, and poor skills. I said I think we've seen both sides of that the, the coin and with that one there we've had a we've had a couple of good players that have come from the MLS. Moe do sort of um, he's the one that, that sort of springs to mind. I know James Sands didn't didn't quite work out, but I don't think we were really suited to his style of play. But that's a whole other conversation um, for another time. Um, look, Dave, I'll, I'll come to you on this on a sort of point here. Uh, this is Ibrox understands that Graham Sunez. He's not fronting a takeover. There's no offer for, for a boardroom uh, role or anything like that. But we understand that talks have taken place between the club and the magnificent one, as he's um, more commonly referred to. Um, but there's there's nothing being agreed um, with uh, Sunez, but what would you like to see Graeme Sunez do at the club if he has come back? Would you like to see him in like an kind of ambassadorial role? Would you like to see him a bit more in RTV doing the commentary? Because I know, I know from a personal standpoint of view, I think the game was was it Galatasaray we played in in sort of uh, a couple of years back awesome. in the in the qualifiers, yeah. And I'm sure we had Walter Smith, um, Gerard and Sunez all on the TV at one point, which was. I absolutely loved that. Um, Dave, where, where would you see him uh, coming back into the club? So I think Ambassador I, definitely.
2: Um, he's got quite a high profile from his time with Sky, so that seems a bit of a no-brainer. Um, he's also done the pundit work on Sky, so again, as Paul said there, RTV seems a bit of a no-brainer. Mm. The One thing I do wonder, though, is if the club will try and use him for fan engagement side of things as well. Um I think Bisgrove does speak well, um, certainly better than Robertson did and definitely better than Park ever did. But at the same time, Souness is a name, I mean, you said it at the start, the magnificent one, you know, every Rangers fan knows who Soonness is. If he says something, they're going to listen. Um, and I could see the club using him in that manner, to be quite honest.
1: Yeah, and and Reece, I'll I'll throw the exact same thing to you. Is this should we be you know looking at more appointments you know like this in terms of of having guys the caliber of Sunez, you know not not involved in the day to day stuff at the club but more more the media side of things, more the ambassadorial roles you know going out there and I don't know I'm assuming you know looking at teams to play friendlies with so that sort of thing.
0: I definitely. I don't think it can hurt. I don't think that. For a second, I would not have him as a director of football. Don't think he's anywhere near experienced enough in that regard recently. Um I think he's taking a lot of work to do with his charity nowadays, so any role I expect will be kinda of bit part. And I think the guy's coming to his a- that stage of his life where he's just looking for a kinda of pick it up when I can gig. So an ambassadorial role does suit him. A bit like what Man United do with Fergie. Yeah. Get them out to events and get them at the games. And you know, if you're going to meet players or you need somebody to maybe put a word in here or there, just overall hold up the image of the club as where well, We've been associated with guys of that regard and that standing.
1: And there we go. And out of all the things that I've said today, Sunes wasn't the thing that I was expecting to get picked up on. But just for everybody <laughs> in the comments, I'll say it. you're right, it's not Sunes, it's Graham Sunes. So <laughs> I apologize to anybody out there I've offended. And if this gets back to the magnificent one, I'm sorry again. Um, but yeah, look, we'll, we'll come on to here for for the next few point here, Kieran. Um, Michael Beal has has talked a fair bit about um Tom Lawrence um in the last couple of days. Um, He says, I expect him to be back probably a couple of weeks into pre-season. You can see in his whole personality changing now because he's heading back in rehab or into rehab and starting to move in the right direction. It's a simple question to start off with. Um, Is Tom Lawrence a guy that Rangers have missed this season,
3: Kieran? 110%. And the reason I say that is a goal-scoring midfielder. Um, You look back to the Hibs game where we went down to nine men. The start of the season. He's header in that game. I think a lot of forgot about it. The the build up play and the actual finish itself, um midfielder arriving late into the box is probably one of your goals of the season. Lawrence himself, do you think of his standout performance, a to PSV, again hitting shots from distance, he clattered the bar in that game as well. Also his free kick in the first leg that um put us in the, on our way into the Champions League. So it was it was an excellent signing. He brings a lot of experience, and when you look at the guys that were being linked to just now, I can't, aside from Butland, who I know we'll go on to, I think none of them have been older than twenty five. And given the words that Bill had used talking about senior players around the squad, I think he very much sees um, Tom Lawrence as one of the guys that is going to be very important around the dressing room as well. Now, my only fear for him um, is that I hope we don't rush him back. In terms of the Achilles injury, it's probably, aside from the ACL, the most gruesome injury that you can get as an athlete That is very hard to come back from it, to regain your previous form. But I've got all the hope in the world that he will do that. It is a tough one to come back from. Um, but he is a real asset to Rangers. He's a real exciting signing. And I don't think you'll find a fan that said, on what we've seen already, he's been a poor signing. So I'm looking forward to him coming back. But yeah, I, I agree we've missed him.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's been an interesting quite. I know because even before this news came out, I know some of the guys round about this about me at, at the game at the weekend that we were talking about, Tom Lawrence, and every, and every time that... Um, that Tom Law uh, that somebody mentions Tom Lawrence I can just hear JP's voice in the back of my head going, why didn't Gio take him off if we looked injured if he's got if he's got two you know two minutes to go take him off if he if he was hobbling about. Um but Dave, um where do you think that a guy like Tom Lawrence would fit into this this current setup? You know, looking at we now have Raskin, we now have Cantwell, could you see him sort of sitting deeper in that midfield or could you see him a bit a bit further forward? Um, and the next reiteration of the team?
2: Yeah, so I think um, I don't see him coming deeper. I don't think that's the best u- utilisation of him, to be quite honest. Um, if anything, I think potentially he's going to move further forward. Um, you might see him across that front three. I know he can play on the wing, so you might see him playing in there. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. <laughs> sort of ventriloquist, duties. <laughs> Harsh. Harsh. Um, yeah, I'll be honest. I do worry a wee bit for Lawrence. I think he was cracking when we had him available, and it's something that we have cried out for all season. But I think his place in the squad is going to be very much determined by the summer transfer window. Um, so... You know, as you've said, you've got Campwell there now. So you're going to displace Campwell for Lawrence? Mm. Probably not. If we then go out and, you know, we've seen all these rumors, whether it's true or not, I'm sure we'll find out, but we're going to be getting, you know, these goal scoring forward line. We're going to be going for three players. If we do that, where does Lawrence fit in that squad? Does he become a rotation player at that point? For all the good that he did at the start of this season, and for all the, you know, yes, absolutely, we would have done with him and then some through the season, is the squad actually potentially going to overtake
1: him now? Yeah, I think that's JB uh, here says, Lawrence is determined to come back and restart his career. Loved his first few months. I mean, I think that's exactly it. I mean, he really, really looked like a guy that, that was kicking on. um, And, and I see... As I put that comment up, sorry, Reese, but it was too good a comment not to put up. There's numbers, no <laughs> speculation <laughs> online about whose hand it, it was, but we'll come back to that in, in another yes, segment yes. Of the podcast, maybe. But um, yeah, basically, do you agree with what the guys have said there? Have we missed um, a guy like Tom Lawrence? And uh, from from a personal point of view, I think. You know, he was, it's that combative nature that, that Cantwell brings that, that I wasn't expecting him to bring. I think the two of them have the potential to be electric together, to be a really, really good combo, especially against the other side of the city. Uh, are you looking forward to, to welcoming a guy like Lawrence back into the squad for pre-season?
0: I am. I think it'll be good to have him back. I just hope that he can kind of pick up where he left off because the last time we've seen him was, what, a year ago? it will be about the time he's back anyway and I think albeit you can do strength and conditioning working that when you're coming back but it's all about on the ball so as Kieran says I, I'd hate to rush him back and have him out for love, but I think he is one of these guys who just comes up and loves it loves the city takes it all in and proper gets on board with it. and some of the moments Kieran was talking about like, he's header at Hibs I was probably there but I've forgotten about it But the free kick against PSV I've not forgotten like yeah, uh, you think back to he was a great player, but it's all about when he comes back. So, I I'll be glad to see him come back, but hopefully there's a few new faces here as well, just in case.
1: Yeah, that's uh, exactly. It'll be interesting to see how he how he does fit into the the new squad. I think you know we've we've heard lots of uh, those, those bu- buzzwords: the restart, refresh, and all that's been getting bandied about in in the press conferences. Um, and and you know will he will he be good enough to to make a, a, a you know to fit into a new looking ranger squad if if he doesn't it means they have got a hell of a good squad I think that's exactly what I'll say about that but yeah the comments uh, are agreeing with them Callum C here says if he gets a full preseason um, he will be fine um, and yeah um, Kieran I'll come to you on the next uh, talking point of the pod here um, there's been quite a few rumours uh, online of late uh, surrounding. Uh, the, the Jack Butland deal I, I know a couple of weeks ago on on this Wednesday show we reported that it, by all accounts it, it looked to have been very very close and we were maybe expecting to to hear you know similar to like the Dujon sterling stuff that that you know it's been done and it's close but it seems to have been dead for for a couple of weeks um where do you stand on on, on signing a guy like like Jack Butland because I know that uh, the show I was on, Alex, he was very didn't didn't beat about the bush in terms of telling us what he thought about it. He was dead against signing a guy. said he's had it and, and he's comfortable sitting on the bench at Man United and hadn't played in a few years. Is this the type of, would you be keen on signing Jack Butland?
3: Um, I'll, I'll, I'll split that into two. Yes, I would be keen. I, I wouldn't have any qualms if we did sign him, right? But After the game at the weekend, I think there's a lot more questions asked now that we're saying, okay, Robbie McCrory's came in. He's now starting to prove himself that he could be good enough to be the number one. But is he ready to be the number one? Now, that's a big question. He's been out for around about three to four months since Bill came in. We cannot afford to ride with a second or third choice. We need a solid goalkeeper coming in. But again, if you're trying to entice Butland to come to Rangers you're going to have to offer him a lot of money and on a long-term deal. Now, is that the best solution when you've got a guy sitting there ready to go? I'm not so sure it is, and maybe we're having second thoughts over the deal. Like, again, all speculation with us, he's had a decent career, he's had a career blip, and it tends to be that the guys that we get from England that they fit that profile pretty much, that they've done okay at certain points in their career, they've got to where they've got to, but they've hit a dip and they're up here to revive their career. And I think... Butland kind of fits that mould. But for me, I think we should be signing someone who's not going to be on as much wage-wise and not that length of contract. My big, big fear with signing another goalkeeper is that we end up with, (laughs) and it's funnily enough, one of the heroes of 55, Barkas, where you have paid £5 for the guy. He's on an absolute fortune a week. You can't get rid of him for love nor money. Um, and he'd rather play at left-back than in goals. So I'd I'd absolutely hate if we went down that road that we had a guy in our hands that ended up being second or third choice on a fortune, and you can't quite get him off the books. So for me, yes, I'd be happy if we signed him, but also it wouldn't bother me at all if we signed someone that's maybe up and coming, like McCrory as well.
1: Yeah, no, that's it. Um, Dave Bell's Brigade to yours says, uh, Butland deal is off. I thought he wants 60k a week. I, 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 the deal's definitely off if that's exactly what he's asking for. And Curry Muncher says something everyone is saying it's a done deal, and I've heard nothing about it for a while. I said, That's that's the way we feel here. I, this is Ibrox. Um, would you like to change that, you- butland, Dave?
2: Um, in an ideal world, yes. Um, when you factor in the realities that we operate in economically, no. Uh, I would rather we spent that money on some goal scoring forwards. Um, I just think everyone's talking about Ross McCrory and they're saying, you know, oh, he hasn't proved himself. Well, it's what, f- four games, four clean sheets now? Mm-hmm. I get, okay, you know, you want to improve himself over a season, but he's only going to do that if he gets the games. If you sign Butland on, well, we're no signing him for 60k. That's a no-starter. But even if you do stick in the wage structure and, say, max it out, I think it's about 45k is the sort of max they look to pay. Then um, do you, do you want to sign him, as Kieran said, to sit on the bench on 45k a week? That That's nuts. I would rather we took the money, went out, got someone that was reasonable, Gave McCrory the chance and actually ploughed that money into our forward line. Because that's where we've been lacking all season. We all know it. Um, between Morelos and his attitude, Joe Lack and his injuries, Ruth, as we said, uh, we lost him about 18 months ago. You, you know, we've got a real shortage there. And there's absolutely no way we should be spending a big chunk of our wage bill on someone that comes in and may well not even be first a starter.
1: Yeah, that's that exactly. Um, it will be interesting, as you said. If he, if he's coming up for that amount of money, he's he's got to be expecting to be a yeah. be a, a first team starter on that, and especially. I mean, I don't like comparing players to to the other side of the city, but with the goalkeeper that they've signed, it, there is it, it, a bit of similarity about it in terms of you know a top Manchester club, um, but not really featured too much in terms of. Uh, of uh, of the last couple of years, um, Reese. It's almost like I've asked Stephen Gillespie to put this comment in here because I'll go and I'll give you your five minutes about oh. your man. All right. So Stephen Gillespie oh. asks: Is there better keepers out there than Butlin for less money? Is there anybody that you can possibly think of, Reese? Oh, here we go. He's
0: making taste. Victor Johansson, Swedish international, plays for Rotherham. Kept them up single handedly this year. Player of the year, no doubt, even though it's not even been given out yet. Robbed of being in the championship team of the season. Victor Johansson, go and look him up. Look at his stats. Best keeper in that league by a mile, playing in one of the worst teams, a newly promoted team. And uh, aye, unreal. Go and get him, Rangers. But sounds sounds
2: decent, Reese. Why didn't you mention him before?
0: <laughs> See the guy when I wake up first thing in the morning. But um uh, no, no, I don't that sounds a bit right, hmm, no, no mean but I definitely a great keeper, but it would probably cost us a transfer fee as well. And uh certainly when they be on Butland's wages, tell you that for free, but probably costs a transfer fee. So if you can ship somebody like Scott Wright out, I don't think he'd
3: cost any more than him. Yeah, I think I
1: think that's I think that's fair.
3: on you go, Kieran. See someone mentioning Seagrest there, right? Yeah, very, very interesting. I know we've done the on this day. He sat in front of my cousins last year at Seville, and then right after it signed for Celtic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
1: an, an odd one, but yeah, there's there's a few a few keepers getting mentioned here. Paul McGarigal said if you want a keeper, look at Ivor Pandur. <laughs> plays for Fortuna. Honestly, I don't know why I've done this to myself to be butchering more pronunciations of of names. And um, he plays for Fortuna. Sittard and loan from uh, Verona. Bell's brigade here says Ruse at Aberdeen has an amazing XG. Um, Philip George says could have got Xander Clark on a free. Um, Kieran, you're 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 reacting a lot to some of those names that I'm chucking out there.
3: Isn't the boy Anvar Pandor um the guy that we have been rumored to have watched against PSV at the weekend, the creation under 21 goalkeeper? Yes. So that kind of adds a wee bit smoke to the fire. Um I, I wouldn't I still wouldn't be surprised if we went after Shamal George. I really wouldn't. Bill, Bill's already said that the players will sign. That are guys that have been linked to me previously that I've worked with. He worked with George at Liverpool. Um, before we played them, he mentioned that he was one of the best keepers in the league and he was an excellent goalkeeper. So we know that Bill's an admirer of him. So, so I'm not saying that one second he would be number one here, but I wouldn't be surprised. Right, he's doing well at the
1: minute. <laughs> <laughs> I he's lost That's the last five or something. I know. Um, look, Dave. There's one keeper that we've, you know, we've mentioned a couple of times so far, but about a guy that I'm really keen to talk about before we get into the bizgrow stuff. Um, Roberts' case here says um, McCrory looks at home in front of the Ibrox crowd. I find that really hard to to disagree with. To be honest with you, in terms of that, that's me seeing him play twice against Celtic, um, and he's he's really really impressed me. We know in the first game was obviously. That was a much changed the COVID game, as it's been commonly referred to. But in terms of of that, the the Celtic game at the weekend, I I, I just felt totally different with with him in goals. It, it, it was quite odd. I, I think not only has he got the potential to be quite a good shot stopper, as we saw from from the O'Reilly save, which was a f- fantastic save. Um, looking back on it in the highlights, even being there at the time, you did think that was quite a good save. But but for me, there's. It's his reading of the game. I think he reads the game. I, I don't know if he if he reads it in the fact that he can move to 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 you know accommodate what he thinks about it. That's something that we've not had in a few years. We know McGregor's a bit a bit stiff and coming out from from his box. And no, I don't want any comments because I've said McGregor's a bit stiff there. But like um yeah, in terms of just there was a I think he snuffed out about three or four chances by reading the game, coming out when the ball went over the top and just Something I loved was there was no messing about. He just launched it up the field first time um, and just and did the basics right. What What's your thoughts on on McCrory um, coming? You know, being the Rangers one from number one for next season. I'd honestly give him a
2: shot. As I said before, you can't. People keep saying he hasn't proved anything yet, and it's only so many games. You know, we heard it after the Old Firm, the L-Skirt game, then we heard the same after Aberdeen, and now. Celtic again. Um, the fact is, the only way he can prove himself is by getting games. So yeah. we have to at least give him the chance to prove that he can do it. I, I don't think we should go into the season without doing anything. So I'm not saying, you know, take McCrory as number one and uh, keep McLaughlin as number two. By all means, sign another keeper, but not on ridiculous wages give McCrory the chance. If he does something wrong, you've got a fallback option. If he doesn't, that could be our keeper for the next 10 years. You know, people always complain that players don't stop around in football anymore, there's no loyalty. McCrory's club club grown. You know, he's come through the ranks. Yeah, he's been off out on loan and stuff, but he may well be here for that length of time if we give him the opportunity. I think the save that you mentioned at the weekend was cracking. I yeah. especially loved the fact that he just took the goal kick nicely as you like after it and didn't even take credit for the save. That yeah. was a nice wee touch for me. Um, I think the way he comes off his line, we're, we're almost conditioned not to expect it now because we're so used to McGregor. And I thought he can stop shots, we know, as you said, he doesn't do much else. McCrory's got that in him. I think it was the game against the Sheep. And um he came out and he made a stop and it was flagged for offside afterwards. But I tell you what, see looking back at the replays, it wasn't offside? <laughs> so if they'd scored, that would have counted. They'd far, far replay, go would have stood, whole different game. He came out, he snuffed that out, and it's like you say, he knew exactly when to come out to take that ball. So I as I said, I'm no saying that he's gonna be the next McGregor or Gorham or any of these. But we're not going to know unless we give him a try. And I think he's at least deserved that opportunity to show us that he can do it.
3: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From
1: Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore dealmaking across sports, media, and entertainment. That
2: is a harsh lesson in business.
1: Sports is not as um, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It
3: opened up so many more doors. The show is
1: called The The Deal. Deal.
3: Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
1: Yeah, uh, a couple of comments here before I come on to you. Reese Joe 90 says, look secure with both feet. Also made a few Near blunder, stumble, letting the ball go across the line, didn't affect him, unproven as yet, good signs. Um, And Ewan Minton says, every great keeper started having to prove themselves and have done, i.e. Shagger, the goalie, the late, great Andy Gorham, so give McCrory the chance. Um, if you can take your Victor Johansson hat off for one second, <laughs> and, and it's one of the big, big Viking horns coming out of it there, Reece. um w- would you give McCrory a, a, a chance and goal for, for, for next season? Has he earned the right to do that given that that's four games, four clean sheets, and to me, he's, he's looked like a really, really more than competent goalkeeper. Uh,
0: he certainly looks good at that level. I think for what everything we've seen of him, he looks very decent. I'd like to see it in a larger sample size, and I think we'll see that between now and the end of the season. So listen listening to something earlier on. It was, it was a Pochettino quote. It was, you don't sign to play for me, you sign to train. So this is where, for me, and I say about the young players as well, this is why you've got a manager and coaching staff. They see them day in, day out. Then now, it's not very hard for McCrory to look good against McLaughlin and McGregor, with all due respect. It, bring in another keeper neither of them should be guaranteed that first team spot in the last four whatever it is five games to the end of the season see how he does in that as well judge him continually and I'll, we with no other option other than to trust Beal the coaching team's judgement on it because that's what they're there and paid to do so if he's good enough he'll play and I think that's why he's been given the chance because it's no hard to look good against the other two now but with other competition being brought in it could go another way. I hope for the sake of Robbie McCrory, it doesn't. It? I hope he's on number one for the next 10 years. I'd love nothing more. Especially, mm-hmm. well, even more so than Johansson. I'd take, I'd prefer McCrory than go out and spending somebody else, but you just need to wait and see. It's not as if he's not getting a chance. Now that he's back fit and training, he's given a chance every day to play. And that's probably going to be a harder test against our players than what it would be in most games in the league. Yeah, yeah that's
3: it. i
1: I think you've made some some very good points, in amongst that, Reese. But I, I'm going to clap that, back there. I'll take McCrory over Victor Johansson. So anytime you mention him in the WhatsApp group, I'm just going to fire fire that straight out there. Um, but look, Kieran, I'm um, one last point about about the goalkeepers because I know I feel like that's all we bloody talked about on this is Ibrox every pod for this, this season. Uh, this season, but. um Something again that that was pointed out to us in the stands was he does have a wee bout of the Alan McGregor's about him. You can tell that he's been been training with them in terms of you know just taking ages, you know, shifting the ball to the other side, having a wee you know wind up um, with, with, uh, with with some of the opposition players, you know, coming out with his, with his studs up when he's when he's collecting balls into the box. Um, do you think he deserves a shot at, at first choice for for, for Rangers?
3: Yeah. Uh... I think he does deserve a shot. It was the um the dummy, the dummy by kicks he was taking the way McGregor does. That's what was getting me to draw comparisons. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll be real I'll be really honest, right? This is a trial for him between now and the end of the season, but should he be our number one next year or should he be our cup goalkeeper next year? Now I'm gonna say he should be our cup goalkeeper next year, and the reason I say that. It's not a time for taking chances. Listen, maybe my opinion changes between now and the end of the season, given how well he might do in the next three games. He's done himself no harm at all. But next season, we can't sign any chances, take any chances. We need to sign a solid number one. So for me, at the moment, I know we're on cloud number nine after the weekend. It's very easy to overreact and stuff like that. I'm just not sure yet. I think he's earned his chance to, at very least, be your cup goalkeeper. We'd still need to sign a solid number one or a solid number one that McCrory's going to compete with for the number one Mm -hmm. jersey. At the moment, I'm not giving him that number one for next year just yet.
1: Oh, that's... That's that that's fair enough. I said that I've heard a few people of, of that opinion, but I mean where I'm at, I? I, I I would if, if he performs well in, in the rest of the games until the end of the season, um, I don't think that he's given us anything to suggest that, that he couldn't he couldn't be Rangers number one. Um look, Dave, let's move on to the, the bit that I was I was scrambling to do but b- before we joined in terms of, of the Bizgrove interview. I, I had a wee quick um Quick look at it and try to make pack out some of the some of the points from it that were um, that were the most sort of the biggest talking points from it. I should say um, just to sum up a few wee bits and bobs. Of what he said he is it means a a great deal and a huge privilege to be appointed CEO of this club. He says the club is special and the atmosphere at Ibrox is like nothing else. Um, the opportunity to work with John Bennett and Michael Buell is is hugely exciting. Firstly, um, I would just like to get your thoughts on on the fact that Rangers have 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 made. Uh, James Bisgrove, the the CEO um, of the club, given that I, I know that initially when we covered that, that there was a few negative reactions saying it wasn't very, um, you know, recruiting within, maybe looking to be a bit more imaginative with, with an appointment like this. But on the flip side, for me, he's a he's a young guy um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's in and about the game, uh, hugely experienced in matters like this, and knows the club very, very well, having worked here for four years. What's your thoughts on on appointing him? I'm happy
2: with the appointment. I have been from the outset. I I know Bisgrove's taken a bit of slack here, it's a bit of smack talk here and there, but I I mean this guy worked at UEFA before he came to us, right? He's he's had some pretty high caliber roles. He took our revenue from next to nothing. Um, as he says in his interview, we're up at 28 million on the last counts, income and revenue. So, you know, that this guy has done it at high levels. Now, yes, it's a step from commercial director to actual CEO. I'm not going to deny that, but I think he's got the tools when his locker to do that. And I would rather have someone that gets business someone that understands how modern boards work, than, for example, having a soon in there just because he gets the club. I love people that get the club. We all do as fans. But in the end of the day, the club is a business. It needs to be run as such. And that is Bisgrove's sort of play park. That's what he does. So I'm very happy with him as CEO. Um, I know in his interview, he said a lot of good things. We just need to see the action now, I would
1: suggest. Yeah, that, that, that that's it exactly. And I think that's one of the main points we'll come on to at, at the end of, of the sort of discussion in terms of what you said. Um, Reese look here, he says uh, in terms of the vision, he says there's a clear strategy through to twenty twenty five. Um once successful football club and being the dominant team in Scotland and to make an impact in Europe. That's all something I'm sure all four of us can can agree to get behind here. In terms of the strategies looking at financial sustainability had a record revenue last year we know with the, with the player trading model in terms of sales of Rebo um and and I'm sure that our european run um helped that as well um, looking to be profitable as a club the four pillars I think season tickets were at an all-time high in terms of renewals this year. Uh, He's looking at the MyJers, the hospitality and the player trading. It's all about creating the greatest possible resources for the club to be successful. And this is the interesting part that I want to come to you here on this. He says he's looking to revisit, safe standing and open dialogue about it. Where do you... I was going to say sit, but that's the wrong choice of words when I'm going to ask you about safe standing. But what's your thoughts on on having safe standing at iBrooks? Do you think it's a good thing? Do you think it's a bad thing? And for me, I sense a change in direction for this because previous years, especially Stuart Robertson, the answer was no. We're not even going to entertain a discussion about it. This looks a bit more positive for for um, groups, especially like the Union Bears, who have been I going on mean, about something like this for a wee while now.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it can only be a positive. doesn't surprise me that it's backing the agenda. It does name-check meetings with the Union Bears and the RSA and stuff like that quite a few times in the interview itself. So it's good to see that dialogue's been opened up. I think the more fans he tries to get to understand, because let's be honest, the guys know grew up in the Copeland Road, they're in. I think that's why the Sydney debacle really didn't surprise me. It's like, if you know. no... Accustomed to it, you don't really get it. But the more he's around that environment, the more opinions he's taking on board, the closer he'll be to getting it. And I think his interview is very, very good. But it's one of those ones where you've heard the best-in-class pattern before. You just need to act. The more we see it, the more we'll act. But my favourite thing for the interview, just to kind of sum it up, was the fact that he kept saying... Maximising resources for the club successful on the park. He kept mentioning that it's a football club. It's no looking to run a business. Do you know what I mean? It's a CEO who's if we can get the most out of the business the football team can get the most money to put it bluntly mm-hmm. that we can get to do it. And aye that's Dan engine Goodstead because you look at Tottenham I they're spending the least wages to turnover but they've no one in ages. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's a very fine balance and I like to see more emphasis yeah. on the football side.
1: Yeah, I think that is one one takeaway certainly from from his um that interview was that everything will be geared towards, you know, benefiting the first team, which is which is as Rangers supporters, is exactly something that we all like to hear. Um, Kieran, RFC seventy two here says at least they're communicating with the fans and listening, especially with a safe standing and so on. As I said, I think that is a good you know, way to, to sort of broach this. I know um Bisgrove in his interview specifically mentioned the Union Bears, Club eighteen seventy two and, and Narsa as well. I mean, are you encouraged by the fact that that we have a board that are now engaging with groups, uh, like important groups like this roundabout Ibrooks, given that there seem to have been none of this? And I look at Club eighteen seventy two in particular because I know that they had no relationship with the board prior to the changes.
3: I think in terms of Club 1872, they've done themselves more damage than they have done good with regards to the previous board. I don't know if things will improve with this one, but in terms of fan engagement... Um aside from Club 1872, I know that James Badsgrove is very forward-thinking with this stuff. Um, A couple of years ago, I was actually part of a fans forum where I went in before one of the games for a meeting. And it was to di- uh, discuss things like a membership scheme, like how we would like the new badge to look, things like that. And by all means, I didn't come up with the idea of my so' uh, <laughs> I was going to say, now we know who to blame. Yeah. <laughs> But no, a lot of that was very engaging, and he discussed there talking about how, like, a date the football shouldn't be that you turn up and you go to the game and you go home. It should be very much like Reese touched on there the Spurs experience, where it becomes a day out and there's stuff on before the game. There's you've got an excuse to hang about after the game, and that money's not burning a hole in your pocket, you're actually spending it. Um, I don't know if I've just Uh, talking a phrase there but anyway um, we've now got Edmondson House and this is all part of what James Bisgrove has brought to the club Um, we had to be dragged kicking and screaming into the 21st century to become a modern football club and it's something that we really lacked. and I think it's something that Scottish football fans have got to become accustomed to that it's just not now about that you you turn up to games and you've bought your ticket and you buy a pint of Bovro and up the road you go it's about maximising how much we can make as a club and that's his job, I know folks say that as fans we've been completely rinsed dry of every penny that we've got and how much more money do you want from us like, it might not always be sunshine and rainbows but that was the guy's job at the end of the day and you can see it with the amount of stuff that Castore have released that they can hardly get rid of they released that much but that is the purpose that he has been a huge part of making us a modern football club and bringing us up to scratch and and we've really come on a lot in the past four years I'm right in saying four years that he's been here the past four years we've really come along a lot and yeah, he's an impressive guy and I like that he's engaging with the fans but like you guys say actions speak louder, louder than words and it looks like we're clearing the decks as well in terms of the board and the reshaping of the club and the academy so there has been actions already, so long may it continue.
1: Yeah, I think. I, I mean, I felt like the bloody Churchill dog during uh, what you were saying there, because my head was was nodding that much there, Kieran. But I think that phrase you've used, "He's brought us, you know, dragging, kicking and screaming into the twenty first century," I, I could not agree with you more. I mean, I know you you're a guy you've you've been away, you know, to other countries and seen other other games of football. Yeah. Um, which, and by the way, uh, just from a pure, pure, purely selfish point of view, if anybody's got any recommendations, because that's something I'm looking to do quite soon, uh, fire them in, in the comments, go, go away abroad to, to see another uh, game. But, I mean, uh, having been to Hamburg and stuff like that, it, 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 it's a day, it's, a, it's an experience, you know, you go and you meet a few hours before it and you're talking to people and all the... You know, there's all the you know the, the places where you can get your beer on the walk up to the club. That's all owned by the club, and then after the game, there's loads of places to go. All the fans hang about. There's events. There was music going on and all that stuff. I mean, I think it was a it wasn't a particularly good game, and it was when they were still in the Bundesliga. But in terms of a day, it was it was a fantastic fantastic experience, and and that that giving the fans an experience to remember. Goes hand in hand with increasing the revenue streams. Like I know it's a bit of a, a dirty word saying that that we're looking to increase the revenue. But if we want to compete, you know, in the Champions League and 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 in the SPF well, not, that we're not competing. But if we want to have a better chance at winning the league, then we've got to increase the revenue streams. Um, look, Dave, I'll come on to the next a aspect here. Um, he says his immediate priorities uh, are focused in the summer. Recruitment on and off the pitch. He's looking to appoint a sporting director, academy director, a chief financial officer and commercial and marketing director. So, no mean feat. There'll be a few... Um, CVs on LinkedIn getting fired into them, I'm sure. So I might but... polish mine up.
3: <laughs> but that's
1: it. but um, look, there's been a couple of a couple of guys I want to discuss here. I know in terms of the director of football or the sporting director role, um, Craig Moore's recently thrown his hat in the ring. Um, first of all, what do you make on on James Bisgrove's comments that we are looking to recruit all these people, and what what's your thoughts on, on recruiting a guy like like Craig Moore? I,
2: um. So I think sort of on needing to recruit them, yeah, there's not much to say. We all know we need them. Um, We can probably all talk about other areas that could either be doing with someone coming in or someone being replaced. You know, I know we've got, what's his name, John Park in the scouting scouting team. team. At the same time. You know, the this, the usual grumbles about how we're recruiting from Championship in England, yada, yada, Mike, Michael Beale's phone book, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we need people in there. We definitely need those roles filled. Um, I think the sporting director in particular is really, really crucial. And I think it's important that we get the right person in there. And when I say right person, I mean with a proven track record in said role. Now, by all accounts, Craig Moore's done okay in his role, but it's over in Australia. So that's not to belittle their football, but does he have the necessary contacts and inroads within European football that he enjoys over there? Obviously, he's linked to Rangers because of his playing days. I get that, and people will look at it. Oh, it's a bear. We've got to hire him. But for me, I I don't want people chucking there hats in the ring, so to speak. I want a proper interview process where these guys come in and they give their vision. What are they going to put into the role? How are they going to make that role their own? Um, And I'd much rather that just recruiting an ex-player just because he played for us once upon a time. That's not to say Moore couldn't do the job. As I said, I don't know enough about what he's done in Australia to say one way or the other, but if he's in for consideration, I think it has to be only consideration. It has to be along with all the other guys, and then you make that selection based on—dare I say it—best in class, not just previous connections.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think that's a fair fair comment. I said it, it's always interesting when you see somebody in the media being so vocal about about looking for these positions. You wonder you wonder what what really is going on behind it, but. Uh, it's an interesting one at, at this moment in time. I think maybe in the future Craig Moore might be a guy to look forward uh, or look look to having at the role, depending on, on how he does. But 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 uh, um, at the moment, I'm not quite sure he's he's ready for a a club the the size and stature of uh, Rangers. Uh, just to sort of continue the the um, Bizgrove interview there, Reece, um It says he said conversation you're showing now, Rangers. Uh, sorry, supporting Michael Beale and John Park to deliver. Uh, their player recruitment plan plan. plan. Um, they make sure board level supporter engagement fan forum every quarter really strong alignment between himself john bennett and michael Beale, which is which is really good to hear um inspiring and motivating to work with john bennett i suppose he's going to say that given that he is his boss now um and interesting enough says michael Beale is one of the most exciting coaches um in the uk this was a really interesting snippet that I thought he said here. Bill's has presented a plan and how he wants the squad to look next season. Well advanced in discussions around that plan and announcements about uh in due time. Um, and then he says that here we need to focus on player trading out model. That's something that from a personal point of view, I think the club is is really, really lacked on in the last few years that we've not capitalized selling assets when they've been at their peak value. And I'm looking at Morelos, um, maybe nice. Kamara back in.
2: Kyle didn't I say that. I got slaughtered for saying we should have sold Morelos for sixteen <laughs> mil the last ball. There. Oh, I,
1: Listen, I, 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 all I'm saying is that maybe it'll last not <laughs> time to cash in on these guys. But are you encouraged yeah. Again, there now seems to be a, a, a change in direction for, for, from this, and I, I, I'm looking at guys like Barisic. Or what? What's your thoughts on that?
0: it probably appears different on a transcript, but for watching the video, it wasn't something that like stood out to me. The mm-hmm. plan did see the plan Beals put together that excited me, because mm-hmm. that is the proper way to go about it. And what I liked about it was recognizing what your strengths and weaknesses are, and who's strong in other areas. Going that not taking the Todd Boy route and going, oh well, I'm the CEO, so. I'll go sporting director and we'll just sign him and him because he looks good. Trusting Michael Beal and the footballing department's opinion on it and going, right, we'll go with Beal's views, parts views, and I'll find a way to fund it. And we'll have that alignment. That I think that's what excited me most about it. But, but it, in regards to outgoings, I don't think there's any shock in seeing that Lisa Kamara, Haji could all be moved on this summer for fees. They might not be at their peak fees anymore, but as long as we learn from missing out in those fees in the past and take it into the future, I think that's can only be promising for us.
1: Yeah, that that's that's it. exactly. I, I, I think you've you've had the nail on the head there. Um, Kieran, I'll come to you with sort of last point of the evening in terms of RFC seventy two says we should maybe look at clubs like Ghent Copenhagen, Michelin and stuff where we can take their staff because their recruitment is very good and at very small prices as well. I think the only difference with that is is that maybe in these leagues that that players are given a bit more time but um, that's quite a few good points that RFC 72 has made tonight. Do you agree with with what he said there?
3: I think that's a fantastic point um, given that We've been linked with, I think it was a guy that was departing from Southampton. We also got, dare I say, the name Ross Wilson. Guys that have been at Premiership clubs that have had an absolute Worcester chest of money to spend, that if they get a signing wrong, then OK, see you later, go and sit in the reserves. And if you get one out of ten right, then it's OK and you can sell them on like the Van Dykes of the world. Um, we need a guy with a proven track record that we should be around the same model as like Brighton. For example, I know that's the name that everybody will be talking about this summer, given the players that they've sold and the players that they've produced. And you look like guys like Matoma and stuff like that, that are currently there, 2.3 million, and he's lighting it up in the Premiership. I think that the names mentioned there, Copenhagen and Michelin, they might not be big football Hollywood names. But in terms of where we are here and now signing players for small fees and selling them on, like the players have been linked with, like the guys that we've spoke about in the podcast today, is 100% the way that we need to go. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the next director of football comes from a team that have had the same sort of model that we are trying to move towards. But like you guys said, we've seen both ends of the spectrum. We've seen guys like Bassey have been sold at their absolute height. Now we're losing guys like Morelos and Kent for nothing. We've seen both sides. I think now as fans, we can accept that we're going to sell guys at their height and we're going to do well. Um, but I'll, I'll throw something back at yourselves as well. In terms of the director, the sporting director and our director of football, however we're going to name it, do you think Bill should have a say in this, given that he's going to have to sort of form a relationship? Is nope. so you're shaking your head there, Dave?
2: Yeah, I, I don't think he should have a say in it. I think um, the whole point of a sporting director role is to give you that level of continuity across the club. Um, ideally, we I wouldn't want to think of a sporting director coming in to work with Beal. I would expect more than anything, the sporting director comes in. If Beale's as good as we all think he is, hes he's going to be getting offers in the next year or two. Um, and you want that sporting director in place so, so the, work the work's done, done so, so far doesn't just disappear the window when Beal goes
0: See but Dave the point I'd raise is albeit we want continuity in that do you disagree with Bill's football philosophy or anything? Or Not at all The fact that they all. want Rangers to be successful then they should have no disagreements from me I think Bill quite rightly could have a say in it And if he thinks that something's going to make his position untenable with regards to whoever's above him, then there has to be that alignment and sort of multidisciplinary view on it. That Bizgrove and John Bennett and that all take in Michael Beal's opinion as well and recruit the guy rather than it just being Beal says aye or Beal says no or Beal makes the call or Beal's got no say in it whatsoever. I think he's got to have input in it because... There's no, it's not as if we've got an Antonio Conte where we're all going. um, He gets results in that, but he's maybe not get the right philosophy or the way we'd like to see football being played. He plays entertaining football, so for me, it's not who should be worried about any sort of sporting director that we would like.
2: Yeah, I mean, you'd like to think anyone coming into that role. You know, we'd be able to build a professional relationship with Beale. I suppose my worry is, in essence, we're asking Michael Beale to pick his own boss. Um, that's right, yeah. that's not doubting anything about Beale, his abilities, his philosophy, any of that. But in the end of the day, we're asking Beal to pick his new boss. And for me, what I was saying before about how, you know, the running of the club, I, I just <laughs> don't think that's right. To be honest,
0: See, that's where I don't think it's a black and white that Bill picks him. I think Bisgrove and stuff will have a say in it as well. Bill will get his input, but it's no Bill Picks him and that's it. It's you know, Bisgrove will ultimately be responsible for hiring this sporting director. So he's gonna to have to have a say in it as well. It's not just gonna be Bill He's gonna to have to live and
2: die by it, isn't he? At the end of the day.
1: No, that that's that exactly. Right. I think I, I agree with I agree with what you said there. Reece, in terms of, I, I think Bill will have a, a a say in it because it, it, at the at the club there is an argument that that'll be the the most important relationship between the manager and the director of football or the sporting director, whatever it is, and they have to get on. And that word that, that corporate buzzword that that Bisgrove said several several times in that is that everybody has to be in alignment now. I think that if he didn't have a say in it. I don't think they're going to to hire somebody, but it is important that they have a relationship because let's let's not lie about it or or let's not forget about it that whoever the new sporting director is or director of football, he'll be picking Bill's replacement <laughs> when when mm-hmm. the time comes as well. So um, yeah, that's uh, I think that's uh, that's fair enough. Um, look, there's just the, the last wee sort of thing to to mention on on this was um, Bizgrove ended the interview and saying that there has to be better fan engagement. Uh, a real understanding that supporters are integral to the club and everything they do at the club. None of the success is possible without the supporters. And keen to reiterate, two-way dialogue and frequently. Um, Reesal, I'll, I'll come to you in this in this year just just to finish off on it. What? what... And a couple of comments here before we get into it um john weir says bizgrove can talk the talk but let's see if he can walk the walk and curry muncher says bizgrove was close to robertson you could tell by that interview sorry but we've heard the same comments and previously said a lot about nothing do you agree with this and and we have to see action it's all very well saying this stuff but we've got to see action on this certainly
0: i think i totally agree with john's comment I, and like Kieran said, actions will determine whether it's any good or no in time. I the only way to determine whether this interview is a success or is a, a good interview is when you look back at it in two years' time. You know, you look at ones who board members in the past and go, Aye, but it didn't really work, did it? Or it never happened. But with fan engagement, I think it is a massive thing and I it's going to be good. I think, I was down at Man City earlier on in the season and to hear that they've got a group called City Matters where they meet on a monthly basis and they advise the board on different issues bring up anything ongoing and they just have a general input into it something I said for ages I would love to see Rangers whether it works or not again clash of personalities and you're automatically going hey, but who's on that how does he deserve to be on it and you know we're a massive fan base it's going to happen but it's all about the functionality of it but can only be a positive for Bisgrove, as I say a guy who never grew up here but knows his stuff and can do his job well, to take on our views on it as well rather than just seeing it from I don't know, a business or a commercial perspective or an outsider's view.
2: See, well, even even with business, right, what I would say there is you've still got to keep your partners happy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A business is only as good as his customers. Whether you want to call the supporters, customers, whatever, he still has to maintain that relationship, Bruce, I would say. Oh, exactly,
0: but well, that's what he means by fan engagement. It's mm-hmm. getting a fan advisory board. That Sydney Cup thing doesn't happen if we get a fan advisory board. Uh, yeah.
1: It's Yeah, you're totally right. It's as simple as that. His rematch changed from, from commercial uh, director to, to CEO. So, as I said, he's, he's now, I think maybe with the commercial side of things, what I don't want to say what the fa- fans thought didn't matter. As, as, as you said, Reese. I don't think he quite understood what, what what something like that, the Sydney Cup for example, would look like, I think he now understands exactly what that is and as you said, he, he's got to use local resources, he's got to use us, I really like that what was the phrase you used there, a, a fan committee or something like that a fan advisory
0: board, and that's-, that's the exact thing that he says in it and yeah, see for me it shows strength of character that he took all the stick for that Sydney Cup thing no bones about it, and he's obviously learned from it and gone, right well and my new role, let's implement something so this doesn't help again. And more importantly, I don't get it in the head again.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, that, that's it, exactly. Look, guys, I think we'll wrap it up there. I'm, I'm stunned we've managed to keep it to just an hour and, and 15 minutes, to be honest with you. But that's been a really, really good show, really good discussion, really good engagement with everybody as pair. But listen, thanks for thanks for joining us, Dave. All right, cheers for having me on, Kyle. But, and thanks for joining us, Reese, as well. Cheers, enjoy that.
3: And you too, Kieran, absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, mate. You've put in a man-of-the-match performance, bringing this to one hour 15. I thought we were going to catch the last of the uh, the injury time in the semi-final, so <laughs> well done, mate. Uh, well, well that's it. Uh,
1: that's uh, I can, I can, I can hear the 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 telly on with the game on somewhere, so I know it's it's well underway. But uh, listen, thanks to everybody for joining us, pair. Um, remember just give us a like. Um, any comments after the stuff? Anything you want us to discuss on, on the next podcast? I believe um it will be Ross and JB looking ahead to to the weekend's game. Um, and then there'll be, a, I'm sure there'll be a post match in the Sunday pod after that. But take care. Thanks everybody for joining and uh, listening.